Greetings and welcome to Shnayim and Mikra, the podcast series developed and sponsored by the Orthodox Union, hosted here at OU.org. In each one of these podcasts, we read, translate, study, analyze, and discuss one of the aliyot of the current week's parasha. My name is Yitzchak Et Shalom, and I'm honored to be studying parashat Ki with you this week. And indeed, the phrase Ki will show up again in this, our podcast of the fourth aliyah, uh, and we begin at Perek Chaf Gimel Pasuk Chet, chapter 23, verse 8. After discussing several of the people who may not marry in, we continue with a modified form of that prohibition. We uh, ended with certain nations that even though they convert, they may not marry in. Lo Taev Adomi. You may not reject, utterly reject an Adomi. Ki Achichahu. After all, the Adomim are the descendants of Esav. They are family. You may not reject them utterly. Lo tataev mitzri. You may not utterly reject an Egyptian. You were a stranger in his land, and you owe him for being his guest, even though, of course, for the last several generations, that was uh, slavery. And as a result of that, banim asher yivaldulahem dor shilishi yavolahem bikal adonai. Children that they have of a third generation may come into Kahal Hashem. Now, there's two different ways to read this third generation, and there are really three different ways to read it. The first way would be contemporary, meaning that right now we know who the Mitzrim are, we know who the Adomim are, but three generations from now, uh, if they want to join, then they can join. That's not likely, because why would we think that the nature of Egyptian culture would change in two generations uh, universally, such that uh, things would change there? The other way to read it would be that if there is an individual who separates himself from Egyptian culture and from the Egyptian society and uh, and uh, in his behavior, then in the third generation already, when even the grandfather that the child who grew up with knows is someone who separated himself and behaved differently, uh, then the child can marry in. A modified form of that is what the halacha says, which is that if an Egyptian or an Edomian, and this, by the way, unlike Amoni Moavi, applies to both men and women, converts and marries somebody who they're allowed to marry, like another Egyptian convert or a regular ger, uh, that then their children, the children that those children have, can marry in. Okay, the next, uh, the next piece. This is again Kitetse. When you go out to war against your enemies, you have to be careful to to avoid any bad things. We'll see what that means. If you have someone who is not Tahor because of something which occurred at night, meaning that he had some sort of an emission, he has to go out of the camp. And he can't be in the army camp. So just before evening, he goes and bathes. When the sun sets, I want to talk about that phrase, at the end of this little parasha. But at that point, he comes into the camp. Meaning, that if he's Tameh because of what we call Tumat Keri, he had relations with his wife, or he just had an emission, then he has to leave the Machane in the morning and stay outside of the Machane. Now this, of course, is not while the fighting is going on. This is while the machane is in a preparatory stage. He has to leave the camp and stay outside of the camp, go to the mikveh and come back in, which means 
that this army camp is now maintaining some particular level of sanctity as if it is uh, a Mishkan type camp uh, and it's maintaining that um, while at war. We'll see why in a moment. Yad is a place. You have to have a location outside of the camp and this is for something else. That's where you go out and that is in order to um, to defecate. You have to have a peg there. And when you go outside to relieve yourself, use this shovel. Then you go back and you cover up your defecation. Why all of these rules, specifically dealing with uh, with relieving oneself and with uh, sexual emissions. God is walking in your camp. Why? To save you and to hand your enemies over to you. So therefore, your camp must be holy. A naked thing should not be seen among you. And then God will leave you. That's the concern. So now the notion is that when you're going out to an army camp, which typically and usually will involve a lowering of inhibitions, a, as we saw in the case of Yifatoar, a concern that man's more bestial elements will come out because that's what we're asking for in war, we have to actually raise the bar as to the sense of sanctity in the camp, and therefore certain things have to be done outside of the camp to guard the sanctity inside the camp. Parenthetically, this phrase, Kivoh Hashemesh, is not euphemistic uh, in that we uh, the concern that we don't want to talk about nighttime, which is true. The the in Tanakh we rarely talk about nighttime and about darkness, and it's often used in a phrase that we call lashon sagi nahar, which means uh, calling a blind person someone with lots of light. We don't like to talk about darkness, and the whole sugya at the beginning of Masachet Pesachim discusses that. But kavoh shemesh is not an example of that, because kavoh shemesh doesn't mean when the sun comes as it rises, but lavo means to enter. So when the sun enters, meaning enters the horizon in the west uh, at the end of the day. Okay. Next halacha, lotaskir eved el adunav. And this is something that's linked because it will likely happen in war. When a slave runs away from his master, you're not allowed to hand him back to his master. If he runs away to you from his master, and this is typically going to happen in war, when they see the Bnei Yisrael coming, and they know Bnei Yisrael have extra compassion and mercy, then they, the slave is suffering terribly under his non-Jewish master, he'll run away. You can't hand it back over. Rather, you have to let him live with you. Whoever he chooses, in one of your gates, meaning one of your cities, wherever it's good for him, you can't afflict him, you can't hurt him. Okay, halachically, there's also a reference to somebody who runs away from Chutzlaret's territory to Israel, even from a Jewish master to another Jewish master. And another thing relating to the inevitable consequences of war, which is Now this is subject a, the subject of a very famous machlok between the Rambam and pretty much everybody else, whether this was a prohibition of sex outside of marriage, as per the Rambam, or the issue of Kedesha is really two different things, which may, meaning the position against the Rambam is that Kedesha really represents two different things, one of them being a, someone who just sleeps around, and there's a woman who sleeps with different men all the time, 
or whether Kadesha, as the name implies, is a cult prostitute, somebody whose job is to help the uh, the uh, idolatrous cult by having relations as part of a fertility ritual with different men. And the flip is true for a man, as Unklus uh, renders it, to not allow a slave to marry in, and to not marry a shifcha. You cannot bring a gift given to a zona, meaning a woman has uh, relations for money, and the guy, instead of money, gives her a an animal. Uh, that animal is not allowed to be brought as a korban. Umechir kelev, or if you sold a dog, then the thing that you swapped the dog for cannot be brought as a korban. Beit Adonai It can't be brought to fulfill a vow of an offering. Ki Adonai Because both of those are a toiva, are disgusting. Now the issue of the dog is something that there's some anthropological background to that we're not familiar with, but the Etnan Zona seems to be a very clear statement of saying this is something she gained through an act that God considers to be bordering on the toiva, and therefore it shouldn't be used as a korban. Um, uh, parenthetically, this may be a very subtle uh, shot at Yehuda and at Yehuda's uh, interaction with Tamar. Read it, Breshit Lamed Chet. Okay, continuing on. Lo tashich liachicha, neshech. Now, linshoch means to bite. What is this talking about? This is talking about interest. Lo tashich liachicha, neshech, kesef, neshech, ochel, neshech, kol davar sheishach. You're not allowed to lend to him with anything that's going to bite him, whether it's for money or for food, where you lend him some potatoes and say, tomorrow you got to give me more potatoes back. You have to have a uh, free loan, as it were. La tashich, but to the foreigner you may do so. Not to your brother. Why? God will bless you in all of your things. You're coming to inherit this land. You do what I say. I'm going to bless you. Important note is you think about it, there is absolutely nothing unethical or wrong about charging interest for a loan. After all, you get to use money that I can't use now for 30 days or a year or however, however long. The reason the Torah seems to raise the bar when it comes to B'nai Israel, is that we're family. And when it's family, you have to really be able to lend without interest and, and do a favor for somebody. It's going out of your way. Okay, the Aliyah ends with the following. Kitidor Neder, and a Neder was, was mentioned a couple of psukim ago in the context of the Atnan. Kitidor Neder l'adonai lohecha. Now, as the Ramban points out and develops at the beginning of Parshat Matot, there are two kinds of Nedarim. There's Nidre Isur, where you ban something on yourself, or you ban something of your property on somebody else, or both. Uh, and then there is Nidre Hektesh, when you take a vow to bring a korban. That's what this is referring to. Do not delay paying. And famous sugya in the beginning of Masachet Rosh Hashanah, when do you violate Lo Ta'acher? Is it one regal, two regalim, three regalim, three regalim, kesidwan, like Rabbi Shimon? Um, God will seek it out from you. God's going to expect you to pay it. And you will be indeed a sinner. But if you don't take the vow, that's not a sin. Meaning, don't feel like you have to vow and have to bring it. You cannot vow. Vowing is not uh, not exemplary behavior. But motzas fatacha tishmor v'yasita. Whatever comes out of your mouth, be very careful to guard and do it. Kasher Just like you vowed to God, asher nedava, So nadarta and nedava, and Chazal play with how it's a neder and how it's a nedava because they really aren't the same thing. That you said with your mouth. And uh, again, that's Sugyan Rosh Hashanah, Bafi Chazut Staka, Shedibarta, etc., that we have 
lots of different obligations. And the bottom line of that last command is that when you make an obligation, you have to be sure to fulfill it. There is, among the many midot, among the many character traits that the Torah wants us to develop and clearly guides us in um, uh, by um, by its uh, halachic framework, is to be very careful with what we say and to not react hysterically to events and not to react with tremendous exaggeration and to be moderate not only in our ways but in our speech so that when something happens, we measure it, we think about it, we think about what we want to do in reaction, and then in some cases we make a formal obligation upon ourselves to do it, but very measured and very well thought out, and not to react uh, with uh, tremendous emotion, and then find five minutes or five weeks later that it's something we weren't able to live up to, and then we are stuck. He'll pause at this point, he'll pick it up with the fifth Aliyah in the next podcast. In the meantime, we should have a wonderful day.